Well, the weather for the whole of the south of England will continue as it has for the next few weeks. It's going to be hot and moist, with temperatures rising steadily as time goes on. There's a chance of steamy moments as we move into the... Ah, sod it. We never wanted to do this. We never wanted to be weathermen and women, making innuendos about hot atmospheres and drizzly countries. We didn't want to be child-friendly. We didn't want to bang on about being for over-18s only. We want to talk about our sexy adventures. We want to be lifestylers, leaping from bush to bush as we sail down the rivers of British sex clubs and mountains of crazy experiences. The cheeky purple mamba, the liquid silk pumped liberally into our hand, the rodeo classic brief harness complete with Tantus curve, the enjoy pure one stainless steel dildo, the hot octopus digit, the ever so short messages on fab swingers, the sexy friends on Twitter, and the mighty vanilla alternative. With my best girlie by my side, we'd swing, swing, swing. Get in the gym or to your car. Without advice, you could go far. We fuck things up and we make mistakes. We talk about our sexy dates. It's getting hard for this to rhyme. Just as well, cause it's bed. Hello and welcome to the Bed Hoppers podcast. My name's Mr. H. I'm Mrs. H. What episode number is this, wife? I don't know. What it's written right in front of you. Go on, look at this page. Go on. 120. Wrong. Oh, yes it is. It says 120. It is 120. You're right. Gosh, you're a little shit tonight. I'm not a little shit. So I am what? just enthused because we have an amazing, delightful special guest who we're not going to talk about just yet. We're going to come to her in a minute. Wow. Okay. gave it away slightly. It's a her. <gasps> At least that's I assume that's how she identifies. She may be nodding. She may not be. I don't know. She's looking blankly at me. She's nodding. She gave me the thumbs up. That's cool. No, but no, any- no. That was, that was a thumbs up your bum. Oh, okay. I, I, yeah, I can. <laughs> you take that. I'd take that. I'd be fine with that. Oh, there's a lot of thumb <laughs> movement. Unfortunately for audio, this works less effectively. But, you know, we can, we can explain what's going on. Anyway, the first thing that I want to do is tell you that we have officially sold out on our social. I was going to do a drum roll, but, you know, I don't do, know how to do drum one. Drum roll, please. <laughs> I don't know how to yeah, do can one. Can you please do a drum roll? Uh, do I have to do one? Yes, please. Would drum you roll. just, like, bang the microphone? Okay. We have. Go on. Officially. <laughs> uh, that was a very small drum that roll. That was a very small, tiny It'll drum roll. It will wake the dog up. <laughs> <laughs> We've officially sold out of our social on the 4th of February in Southampton in the UK. Mm-hmm. We have reached peak numbers. Oh, yes. Yes. We have peaked. Peaked. We've definitely peaked. So by the time, the next time that you hear from us, we may well be talking about the social. In the past. Yes. Because it will have happened. It will have happened. And it will be a glorious event and it will all have been spectacular. It's going to be amazing. We have got an amazing selection of people turning up to this event. But, you know, unless you're one of them, this really means very little to you. So, and if um, you are one of them, then... Well done! Well done. Thank you very you much for supporting us. You might get interviewed on the night. You, you might Maybe. well do. So I've actually bought a new microphone. Like you needed an excuse no, to I, go and buy more gadgets. Well, it was a new microphone and I can wander around like some sort of daft handheld come in the frog reporter <laughs> um, that I can go out with and interview people and... And talk to them about the social while we're at the social. Oh my God, so meta. I can ruin so much enjoyment of people's time <laughs> by interrupting their conversations and asking them random questions. Well, what I really like though is your new mics have little um, fluffy... 
attachments. Yes, they are called dead kittens. Yes, so normally oh the God. the fluffy thing that goes on top of a microphone a dead cat. is a dead cat. Yes. But because they are tiny, they are dead kittens. How delightful. But they're so cute. I literally just want to take them home. Uh, but I like well, I've this. got them at home because I'm here. Well, you do. <laughs> as soon as I opened the box, which was today in fact. Yes. Not probably the day that you're listening to this, but the day that I'm recording it just so you're aware. Right, I know this yeah, is important. I'm with you. But Mrs. H immediately grabbed the, the, little, the little furry soot sprite like thing. They are so And then like rubbed it against sprites. her face. Yeah, because I do um, I do that with everything. I think um, she went <laughs> No, I can't. Does it happen? Anyway, so we've got microphones. I can do lots of avian impressions, but not can um, you? a dove. Give, give us an, an avian no. impression. I did one for you the other night, actually. All right, well, she give us a proper do one. You, no, I'm not doing it. Go on. Do, would you remember? Give me a barn owl. <laughs> it's fucking genius, isn't it? Uh, well, I'm going to start my own podcast, Avian Impressions. Avian Impressions. Right. Give me a seagull. What? No, I don't know what seagulls do. We uh, steal okay. pasties. Okay, <laughs> chihuahuas. Anyways. <laughs> oh my God, don't. Not that story. Our breaking story of a chihuahua no, that was no, stolen no, we by don't a want seagull. Hear it. We don't want to hear it. Anyways. It really happened though. So important things to, to note, right? <laughs> Social has sold out. Thank you everyone yes. who has supported yes. us. Uh, in a couple of weeks it'll be happening and we'll give you all the wonderful juicy gossip that happens behind the scenes and also talk to people while we're there, right? Cool. Other things. PCAP is coming up. So if you want to see us in Palm Springs. Oh my goodness. Or Palm Swings. Uh, yeah, so you did that. Yeah, you did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Follow a note in our note show notes thing and, you know, you can join us. Well, that sounds really professional. It does. Well, put some notes in the show notes, but you can join us. You I don't could know... go to Podcaster Palooza and have a look at the actual official details. You could go to Podcaster Palooza and join us. I believe it is already over 50% sold out it at is. the time of recording. It absolutely is. And more and more sexy people are joining. So, and um, it's in five months' time. Yes. Which is terrifying because I'm only halfway to my goal weight. Only halfway to your goal weight. Mm-hmm. Is that... What does that mean? Uh, it means I've got some work to do. <laughs> okay, so we better do some lunges after this show. Anyway, we've kept our special guest waiting for so long. She's been making lots of faces look that suggest she may well be entertained by this or she may well be asleep. So if we, you Are know, you not entertained? She looks vaguely entertained. She is. Anyway, we would like to welcome uh, Violet. Hello, Violet. You've got Hello. a Jeff Goldblum again. I have got a bit Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, Why is that so bad? Oh, uh, oh, 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 you've got a bit dumb, yeah. it? See, how, how do you feel about You keep slipping into bicycles. Jeff Goldblum. I, I, it's, it's deeper than I was ready for this earlier, <laughs> Oh, my. Hello. Thank you. Welcome. Thank you for joining us. Oh, my God. <laughs> Thank you for having me. <laughs> this is so Jeff Goldblum. Is it? Okay. He's going to sue you. All right, wife. Explain who she is. Go character. on. Give us like, Right. This is the lovely Violent Croissant as I have lovingly dubbed her. And it is loving because I met this incredible lady at the Star Trek Borgie, which featured on one of our previous episodes. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, I met her for the first time. I was already aware of her Twitter presence, although she was Violet on Twitter. And when I met her in person, I decided that she was so incredible. I dubbed her Violent Croissant. Why Why the croissant? Uh, because it was Violet <laughs> Besant on Twitter, I believe. Yes, it was. She's it was. That was my original username, it and was. Uh, and you got too involved. <laughs> I, it was Here Violet, Violet Besant on Twitter, and it, in my head, I read that as Violent Croissant. <laughs> <laughs> People just look at me and think there's an angry pastry product. <laughs> 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 my whole life. And then when I met her in person, she was so 
beautiful and statuesque and like towered above me she was wearing Aww. heels I'm sure but she was absolutely spectacular and I, I was wasn't like, actually at bare feet oh Christ you're just really tall then <laughs> brilliant I'm diminutive as we know I'm very very small and when I met her I was just like in awe of this statuesque she was the Gandalf woman. to your Frodo oh, could you not please don't refer to me as Frodo go and fuck off with that I'm not a Frodo dildo baggins right I'm ending this. <laughs> <laughs> this relationship or this show? Well, Colum the jury's out on that one. However, um, the ve- lovely Violet Croissant, as I should refer to her, but to other people, yes, Violet. So thank you for joining us. We finally brought you on to the show. <laughs> now, tell us about yourself, because, you know, we kind of, we, we know that you do a bit of cam girling. We know that you've done a bit of OnlyFans. We know that you've been a bit of a swinger, a bit poly. What? What, who is this person that we're bloody talking about? I mean, I think you'd be paying more attention by now. But so, hello, I'm Violet. Nice to meet you. Only only the best people get to call me the Violet Croissant. So I'm sorry, that's <laughs> Mrs. H only. Um, that's a special thing between us. Uh, you have to have to keep that one to yourself. You said um, that so, I would, could be no, the only special thing between you. No, Aww. sorry. Uh, no, it's just me. Okay. No, Do sorry. You can, sorry. Watch, you can watch if it helps. Um, <laughs> you know he's <it's> <laughs> I know, and no one can see the look you're giving me right now except me. Um, but hello, I am Violet. I am preliminary a full-time cat girl. That is my my main job. That's what a lot of people know me for, um, is getting naked on the internet. That's what I do. That is my job. Um, I've been doing that for about three years now. I've been involved in the adult industry a lot longer, but that's, you know, that's where I've been hanging out recently. On top of that, I'm a bit of a swinger. I don't know if you noticed that, by the way. I don't know if you're aware of that. I don't know if uh, anything kind of, is giving you that yeah, idea. Lost our minds. <laughs> that maybe you were that so way. the other reason that yeah, the other people, uh, the other reason people know me is obviously because my exploits at the Borgie <laughs> <laughs> were widely talked about. In I'm not even sure what episode it was. I'm sorry, I should have checked that. I'm sure. I'm sure if everyone goes on Spotify, they were able to find it though. Yeah. Uh, I think it was quite obvious what it was about. And yeah, so people have become more interested in finding out my exploits there. I think. Um, and yeah, I'm also Polly, which makes life a lot easier because otherwise we can definitely be a more interesting experience. <laughs> <laughs> well, but yeah, ask me your questions. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm actually a little bit scared because I know for a fact that you've both got questions, but that Mr. H, you don't actually know all of Mrs. H's questions <laughs> either. And neither do I, because all you told me was to turn up. So I'm I'm scared. I'm interested. Hey, I'm intrigued. He just I'm told many me things. to turn up as well. <laughs> In the same boat. <laughs> I just do this every time. <laughs> just wing we it. We just rocked up and we're hoping, hoping to get through this now. I so, rarely make notes. <laughs> so I I had this discussion with Mrs H while we were in the car earlier today, and that's so how I, prepared for you. No, no. And I said, so what questions have you have you got? Uh-huh. And 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 she was like, oh, I've not thought of any yet. I'm going to think of some. And then I reeled off about four or five different questions, and then, and then she said, What were those questions again? And I think it kind of went in one ear and out the other. So I've got a list of questions that she may have or may not have repeated, given the fact that we had this conversation earlier. I can't read your writing, so I've got no idea. Well, the It'll first be a thing... Tremendous, um, exciting opportunity there when we get to the... Well, the first thing that I want to talk about is that you survived, as you rightfully said, the Borgie. And I think survival is probably about the right word for it. But survival you, is definitely the word. Definitely. <laughs> you also survived the first Bedhopper's Social. Oh, yeah. You're I did, one of the I did. Few I was there people, for the beginning. Yeah, that, that did both. Now, have you got any fond memories from either that you'd like to tell our listeners about? 
I think I have fond memories from both. You know, um, I will admit that singing Queen at the top of our voices <laughs> to, and I'm sure she will actually be listening to this. Miss Slutty Pants, Mr. Slutty Pants, I would like to apologise, but we're fabulous and you love us really. <laughs> Definitely so, so my heart. And also the, uh, the whole dance party situation, because I was down the stairs loading the dishwasher, as you do in the middle of, of the course. Gym. You know, yeah. that's, that's, what, that's what you do. <laughs> hey, you were all glad of it the next day when everyone had clean plates. But I, so I didn't realise, I kind of looked around and realised everyone and it sort of disappeared and I came up mid-dance pass. <laughs> so I'd like missed a step where I was like, right, how have, how has this situation occurred? Like of all the things I expected to be in that room, this was not it. <laughs> Nor did half the people in that there room we weren't. <laughs> no one knew what they were doing. Um, and yeah, it was just one of those really bizarre moments that I've definitely turned over two pages at once, but there was nothing else to do except join in at that point. Like, where do you go? <laughs> That's I, the best if you can't beat them, join in. I, I 100% agree. Yeah. It was it was one of those moments where it just sort of happened spontaneously. And I, I thought Essex Sprite was going to kill me. And <laughs> we kind of carried on. And, and then everyone was fine. And it was all sexy until Moana came on. And then suddenly the tone shifted a little bit, which is, you know, my tip to everyone today is to take Moana off your sexy time playlist. Yeah, well, yeah, but also I really enjoyed watching Secret Fix and having a little naked dance to herself, like in the corner of the room at one point. It's like she's clearly in a You're very welcome, happy place. Secret Vixen. You're welcome. <laughs> she was in her happiest place at that she point, really I think, was. definitely. Yeah. And then, yeah, the social was obviously really, really awesome. Um, I think my favourite moment was that it was so lovely to meet people who, like, I'd known um, on Twitter and who we spoke to obviously on the Discord and we get to finally, you know, physically be with people. Because that was like the first event after um, lockdowns opened and everything that I actually I mm. went to. Um, so it was a really nice thing to kind of get into and obviously really great to hang out with you guys meet new people but I think my main like memory of it is wearing that stupidly tight dress that was definitely too tight and having to get poor LV of his cock her tail <laughs> um, and vanilla ice actually to uh to at the time with her still in a sling to do a three arm a three arm <laughs> zip up to get me into it it was so worth it. Really sensational. Um, you did look. I couldn't awesome. breathe, but you know, it, it went pretty well for me. I think it's just that moment of like, "Hi, I've just met you." But if you could, if you could, you have a joint effort on getting me into this dress, that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> she pulled me into it. It was yeah. it, it was fantastic, I and mean, you know, it survived. It didn't split all evening, so we were all happy. Um, well, you know, it, well, nothing ish. was split by the end of that evening, as, as we all know. So. <laughs> Oh Moving swiftly onwards, Mrs. H, do you have a question for the Oh my lady? goodness, you've chucked me straight in the deep end. No, well, you oh, just got to your list. Are we going through my list <laughs> well, first, are we? No, I can go into my list. Well, you, we can sit here and I argue have, all day if you want about whose lists. I do have questions, uh, Ms. Croissant. Right, okay. I have oh, questions yes. about, I've, I've been told, and I've looked on Twitter dun, to verify dun, this, dun, dun, dun. we don't need music. Dun, dun. <laughs> Twitter has verified this. I believe at some point in your illustrious career, you've been involved in financial domination. I have, I have. Um, I think that's one of, well, Findom is one of the first questions that people like always ask me when they discover that I've been involved in domination because it is such a complicated area and quite misunderstood, I think, in a lot of yes. cases. Yes, and um, this is why I'm absolutely fascinated to be talking to you because it's something that I've got, relatively little knowledge of and that's not for want of like wanting to explore and find out more information I do like reading up on this thing however because I knew we were going to interview I thought actually no you know what I'm gonna keep a fairly open mind about things and not really research this because I'd like actually you to talk us through you know your kind of interpretation of 
what you see as financial domination and you know the whole the whole shebang really and i've got a few questions around it as well afterwards no doubt let's do this so as a as a base financial domination is the act of someone giving you their money from their wages that you then take that you do what you wish with and they are then left to survive on whatever finances they still have it's a very simple thing um, at its at its base, basically based around what it says on the tin, you dominating their finances. There's obviously a lot of moral things around it. You have to be very careful. So when I have been involved in it, you have to kind of know how much money someone has. You have an obligation to check they're not, you know, in debt, that they're still going to be able to eat, etc. Um, and you have to have a duty of care, like any area of domination, you know, that the thing is you have a care to that client and you have to understand that they may not necessarily understand their limits as well as you do because they're in that space of craving and you're the one in charge. So that's kind of the base of it. One of the things that has happened um, over the past couple of years definitely is that that definition has been lost and that a lot of people have started doing a lot of things and then using the word findom and trying to then make them in make that into Findom, if that makes sense. Um, and that's where it's become a much more complicated industry and a much more complicated fetish now. Yes. So I think part of my the misunderstandings that exist out there are there's a big difference between there being an established kind of almost contract between the submissive and the dom around what what you want and just mean girls taking money. Basically. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That is the thing. If you're getting into this sort of situation, it is a contract. No, using exactly the right word. You should be in a situation where everything has been talked about. You know, with any element of domination, there is a time where a submissive will approach, and then it's time for the dom to almost interview them and see whether they actually gel, whether they have that connection, and kind of what they can what they can build together. Because you are building a relationship at the end of the day. I think a lot of people, when you say domination, think whips and chains and upset and everything. And that's actually not how it is at all. Um, so when it comes to things like financial domination and stuff, you've got to be making sure that the people who are going to be in charge are people who are going to be, I'm trying to think of the best way to put it, people who are going to be sensible about it. Um, and yeah, what you said, you get a lot of a lot of people saw it as just a way that people were giving their money. Yeah. They thought, well, this is easy. And you know what? If I turned up to you in a pub and gave you 30 quid and walked off, you'd probably be quite happy. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm not putting a price on you, obviously. You're worth a lot more than that, not clarifying. Um, other payments are available. But yeah, I think people just clung on to this thing that, well, that's just a way to get money. And where during COVID and everything as well, there were so many people who were just able to be online and there was nobody to regulate them nobody to say no people were living in their houses not talking to their friends not talking to other people and it became quite easy to victimize people in various areas and take massive advantage of people really because they didn't know any better if enough people you know that's one of the things social media if enough people use a term like findom and it is hot girls asking for money people will start to think it's real. People will start to associate that with being what Findom is. And that was how it became sort of quite a problematic industry over the past year where people have been taken massive advantage of. Mm. I mean, I think, I mean, people often measure their self-worth with with money. And I, I think in it's, you know, my understanding of this is that it's a kind of level of intimacy, but, you know, can involve sort of capitalism and masochism and you know, there's, there's many like levels to the, the whole. Yeah, absolutely. Whole absolutely. There's so many levels to it. And the thing is, every sort of dom sub relationship, regardless of what it's about, 
will be individual because you know these individual people these you're humans at the end of the day every dynamic will be different like in any other kind of relationship um some people or a lot of, of my clients have gone into something like Findom because they like the simplicity of it they have a set sort of they have their budget they have what they're giving you in return for which they are serving you which at the end of the day is what it's about um, it's very clean cut. It's very simple. There's no tasks necessarily in like base in the base of Findom. There's no tasks. There's no content switching hands. It's a very simple form of submission, but also a very heavy form of submission from both sides because from their side, they are then forcing themselves to adapt their lifestyle for the sake of serving you, which is a big thing to do if mm. you think about it. You know, and then from your side, they are you are accepting their money. And kind of getting to live a more comfortable life simply because of their existence. So it's quite a heavy power dynamic. It's huge, isn't it? It really is. And it's um, an area that, as I said, I, I don't do know too much about, but I was really, really fascinated about it. And I, I kind of know that you, you, you were involved in this. Is it a fetish, would you say? It can be. I think... The clients I've had, and you, know, you can only speak to yourself because every dom runs things differently. And I'm quite sure there'll be at least one person who listens to this podcast and has a go at me, and that's fine. Um, but when you, <laughs> we're not scared. Um, when you, when it comes down to it, for some people, it's that they want the simplicity. Their fetish is actually submission, and this is just the ultimate way for them to attain it, to be having to move their life around for the sake of their submission. But for other people, the fetish is based around being wanting to make someone happy. You know, there's another interesting thing. You get the clients, you get the clients who simply just want to do it and keep it simple and feel okay. And then you have another base of clients who want to know that they've made your day better, who want to know that your happiness has been achieved by them giving you money in a way that nothing else they could do for you is going to do because being given money allows you to do things you wouldn't be able to do without it. You know, there's, there's very few other ways you can pay for life. <laughs> Um, and so yeah I think I would I would consider it as a fetish in some areas but for some people it's simply that they don't want the bells and whistles of a traditional dom sub relationship they just want the submissive aspect and they don't want to as I say get involved in tasks get involved in BDSM get involved in anything other than the very standard submission that can be achieved like this Mm. are these mostly online um interactions and you you no no they can so for some people they prefer it to be online Mm -hmm. but cash meeting is also a very big thing um and that was another thing that got shown on twitter like things by a lot of people and other you know social media sites are available but what people were seeing was these girls turning up and being given huge amounts of cash and walking away and if you think that's all that you're doing then yeah absolutely everyone's going to try it um for some people, as I say, they prefer to keep it online, they prefer to keep the anonymity, and that's quite common. Um, but there is also a breed who want that risk of exposure, which kind of brings you into the exposure fetish as well. So you have people who want the risk of being seen to be giving someone money. Um, there's also people, if they are in sort of the BDSM side of it, who want to be either verbally or physically humiliated, um, and online isn't quite enough. Online submission is definitely something that's grown a lot bigger in the past few years, obviously with people not being able to get out and that. Pre-COVID, it was definitely a smaller market because it's something that is obviously so personal and so in-depth and, like I say, really, really misunderstood in a lot of cases. Um, but it is this incredibly intimate, so, or it should be, this incredibly yeah. intimate service um, that requires a lot of trust that is quite hard to build, you know, over a computer screen. Yeah, I mean, it's the, the whole intimacy that you build, I suppose, 
and in order to access those those levels of emotions that you can only get from feeding your fantasy and your fetish and yeah, absolutely. It's, it's massively based on, you know, respect and trust from both parties and an understanding, you know, everyone's on the same page and that you are, you know, safe, but so are they and that everyone is kind of understanding of each other, basically. The trick is, I guess, is that, like, like you say, none of this is regulated. There isn't a standard. There isn't a uh, there isn't a guild. <laughs> you know, and, a, and that is that <laughs> is something that I, I really hope changes over the years to come, because it is for from a client point of view can be obviously a really dangerous issue especially if you're new to fetish and you're sort of just exploring and obviously you know people turn 18 every day people get into looking at the adult industry and getting involved in it every day there will always be sort of a new intake of people who don't understand that this isn't regulated and that anyone can become you know say they're a dom anyone can decide to become a findom and there's no body in place to go, you know, to teach people about safety and to teach people about the sort of moral side of it or to stop people if they are taking advantage, which, you know, in something that involves so much safety in every sense of the word has always felt quite wrong to me. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a strange one because, you know, like you say, if you can go bungee jumping, but you, would you go with someone that isn't safety qualified or doesn't have the right certificates? You know, you, you, everything is risk. But actually to jump into this without knowing that someone isn't going to take advantage of you and, and that you aren't going to come away from this experience um, broken is, 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 is such a tricky thing. It is. And, you know, I think that's one of the things as well of sort of, I think that's one of the things that's possibly stopped some people actually exploring fetishes in all manners is the concern that it could go wrong and that there isn't any sort of backup there. But it's exactly the same from, you know, my point of view, when these people are getting things involved in things like Findom, I can't credit check them. I can't check. I have to, to a heavy degree, take their word that they know what they're getting into and that they can afford it and that they are you know, mentally sound and physically are going to be okay. And I've got, you have to put a lot of trust in them as well, which if people are in a vulnerable position, they're not necessarily going to be thinking straight. And that can make it really, really hard as well. When, when you haven't got that sort of, like you say, you wouldn't go bungee jumping <laughs> with, <laughs> with Dave you met on the M4. Um, it's, like, it's that same sort of thing. Um, it's like if anyone could, Dave, currently sat on the M4 is listening. It's not personal. Um, <laughs> it's a great bungee jump. <laughs> yeah, it's, it was a great experience. I actually quite enjoyed it. I'll put a TripAdvisor review out for that. Um, but, you know, yeah, it's exactly that. You wouldn't, there's so many things in life, especially involving finances, that you wouldn't do without a safety net. Mm. I'm conscious I've monopolized uh, Mr. Rachel's question, so I have one more, and then I'll I'll let him ask some questions. Go for it. I promise. So, what's what's the difference between um, financial domination and sugar daddies, for example? So, some of the terms so, are here. financial domination does not involve any form of change of services. I think it's probably the best way to put it. Financial domination is where the submissive party agrees to give over their money to the dominant party. That is the act of submission. That is the be all and end all of it. There will not be sexual services involved. There will not be DDSM services involved. It's very clean cut. There will not be meats involved in that or anything like that. It's a very clean cut. If they want to do cash meats or anything, that would be extra. It's just about financial submission. When you move into things like sugar daddies, there is an element of relationship in there for a start. Um, there is often a sexual element. About 80% of sugar baby relationships do involve a sexual element. And there's also the element of nicety. 
So when people are involved in sugar relationships, what you have is the dominant party being the sugar daddy, for instance, and then your sugar baby is going to be being very nice to them, texting them a lot, saying, you know, giving them that experience. So that's, yeah, that's where those two things start to start to become quite different. It's what you're getting for your money um, and the sort of relationship that you're having as a result of that that money changing hands. Thank you. The only last sort of thing I was going to mention is, gosh, ages ago. So I think someone randomly like got in touch with me and and asked me if um asked me about pay pigs. Uh, so the term pay pigs has has kind of stuck with me as a another kind of term that you might encounter in in that kind of realm of of uh, financial domination. So what's what's the pay pig? So pay pigs, cash whales, human ATMs, yeah. <laughs> all great terms. Um, I honestly like. They're, they're fantastic terms. But the basic things like that is human ATMs, pay pigs, they'll come down to the same thing. These are people who are simply just giving you money when you ask for it. So if you have a financial domination arrangement as a general thing, it would be, for instance, that person gets paid on the 25th, a certain percentage that has been pre-agreed is sent straight through to you. They're left with the rest of the money. And that continues month after month. That's a continuous financial arrangement. Things like human ATMs and pay pigs are more people who you would use sort of ad lib. So for instance, you're out for the day, you want to go shopping, you would text your pay pig and say, I'm going to be going shopping. You need to either, you can send them the bills for reimbursement, or you can say, you need to transfer me £300 right now. And that's where the term human ATM comes from. These are more sort of ad hoc straight away and it because it gives a different feeling for the clients as well you know you have the people who appreciate that there's going to be that day that they get paid where they're also going to get a lot of attention they know they're going to be making you happy and they sort of pace themselves and then you get the people who are in it for an instant hit that instant hit that they are making their dom happy um, and yeah that's where you get things like pay pigs and human atms those are people who want that quick fast you do what i say and don't necessarily want um the sort of long-term arrangements as mm. much it's also impossible for me not to hear it under the moon pig advert like pay pig <laughs> we're also available for weddings and bar mitzvahs <laughs> and orgies you and i are both yeah, available yeah, for- absolutely <laughs> we we will do a karaoke orgy we will sing you through to your climax don't worry about please, that <laughs> please book me directly through bed hoppers <laughs> All right, so I have a question for you. Boo, his. Boo. No, this is this is a nice question. So one of the things that I've and I, I have noticed, and and that all of us have noticed about your social media presence, is that your selfie game is fucking brilliant. <laughs> Genuinely, I, I I mean you're adorable in real life, but your selfie game is is fantastic. Very strong. One of the worst things about being in the swinging lifestyle is that generally people's selfie game is less than great thanks you don't have to point it out to like all our listeners no but but we all know it. we've (laughs) talked about it so what i would like to know is your you know your top hints for taking a bloody great picture how can we help people out what would you recommend that they do first things first you're going to go on amazon Uh, other services are obviously available but buy a 10 or 12 inch ring light with a phone holder in it don't buy the ones that don't try and like to put your phone in certain places or get it at certain angles. Trust me, just buy the thing that holds it for you. Um, that is my number one tip. With the ring lights as well, a lot of people get ring lights, they simply turn them on. Obviously, everyone has different tones depending on their skin tone, their hair tone, the house they're in, etc. So many things. So whenever you're going to take your photos, play around with that lighting. Put your phone on portrait mode. 
get your sort of angles that you want and then play around with that lighting because you might find that it's not actually that you're taking a bad photo, you're just using bad lighting. And, you know, most ring lights come with about 30, 40 different settings on them. So I really do advise playing around with your lighting before thinking this is my fault. My second thing would be try to keep your background. I say this, I'm going to say try to keep your backgrounds either interesting or very clean. So you either want like white walls behind you, so everything's straight on you, or you want the sort of background where it's full and it looks like you've got a lot going on behind you. I feel bad saying this because what no one can say see right now is my background is shocking. I've got a very, <laughs> just to give people an idea, I've got a dodgy, a very dodgy sofa that I might fall through at any moment. And then fairy lights coming down behind me. I've got a microphone. that This is not a good shot that I'm doing right now. But, you know, do as I say, not as I do. So yeah, my second thing would be make sure, think about your background. Because a lot of the time when I see photos, it can be a really great photo. But if you've got a really, really dodgy background, it's just going to take the eye away and it's going to make it look like it's going to make people distracted from what they should be looking at. I 100% agree. And the amount of times that Mrs. H has zoomed into the back of a background and seen like, I don't know, a pair of dirty pants or something. One of my favourite games. <laughs> What's in the background? It is. I mean, we, we had one where someone had a pasty on their lap. Yes, and a cat. A cat and a pasty. I was like... Was, it, was the pasty on the cat? Was the pasty next to the cat? Was the there cat, a cat? I need to know. A cat was on the arm of a settee, right? The, the dude was sat on the settee and he had a plate. He was naked. He was naked. And of course. He, he had a plate and he was resting the plate on his belly and he had a pasty We're on assuming the plate. it was a pasty. It may have been a steak bake. Other pastries are available. I mean, as a connoisseur of pastries, you will know, I'm sure, this was a pastry that I can only assume was either a steak bake or a ginsters pasty. And was this like a pre-made petrol station pasty or did it look like there might have been some bake in the oven work going on? I don't on? think he baked it himself. I'm oh, shocking. You're assuming sure. a larger level of quality than I would have it placed on this picture. bought <laughs> pastry. Had it resting on his belly on the plate and then the cat was eyeing it up in the background. So I, all I saw was not the naked form, but no, the fucking pasty and the cat and the settee <laughs> and the actual hot mess that was in the background. I was like, this is this is the best. This is giving me so much stuff to go on. It's so important. It can because you can blur stuff out. I mean, you, you can, could. You but don't why have would you to blur show out it. that fantastic cat. <laughs> yeah, but you don't have to show everything. And and I think this is part of the art is that you know, Pull okay, the washing a, a really nice, well. A nice background is great. But if you are in a busy environment, just use some photoshopping techniques just to make it slightly better. Make it black and white. Take the emphasis away from all the splodges of colour there. Blur the edges around. Black and white has been saving us since the MySpace days, let's be honest. I'm a, I'm a big fan of a black and white when in peril. The only other thing I'd say that I've got to like bring up as far as good photos, daylight. I cannot, you know, so it, natural light will always present you with the best photos. If you can find a good source of natural light, it's so much easier to get a good photo. You know, photography is like 80% lighting, let's be honest. Um, but that's get, get all the light you can into the area and you'll save yourself a lot of Photoshop trouble later down the line. This is this is so true. It's and music to your ears, isn't it, it probably? It is. Music think, could just like go off in a little corner together and well lit we could. corner. Well, we could. <laughs> well lit corner and um, take I'll, selfies We'll be back other. in, what, 25 minutes? Yeah, so, don't flatter yourself. <laughs> well, I was going to do it twice. <laughs> Oh my god. That's goodness. a lot of selfies. <laughs> I think that's more than I could handle in one session. <laughs> <laughs> but it, I think it's really important once you've taken a picture, look at the fucking thing. Like just don't like go immediately post. Just kind of have a look at it and and feel free to 
change the settings, look at it. Does it look better in black and white? Do you want like the to bring the blackness around the edges? Do you want to highlight certain bits? Have a muck around with it rather Absolutely. than just, just straight away posting it. Because we've seen so many of those. And I, I'm not a fan of the gynecological <laughs> zoom and thing, you know, that's not my thing. But but have a There's look. There's a place and, for it. There I is a place. That. I'm sure totally get someone that. enjoys it. But, Pornhub, maybe. But. but but it's that. Does it take on your personality? Does it give you character? Are you being best represented? And get to know. Take take a lot of pictures and get to know what works for you and what doesn't. If you look at a picture and you go, then don't fucking post it. It's not. Do you know what? I remember a really cute picture of um, Ms. Croissant here ones on Twitter. There's uh, a lot of cute pictures. There's a lot of very cute pictures of her, I'll be honest. However, one of my favourites was that picture she posted of herself eating a lasagna from the freezer for breakfast. <laughs> do you remember that picture? Dude, I do. I was on this sofa, actually. Um, <laughs> and I still think that was one of my my best pictures. I um, was winning. Like, it, was, it was a really, really good lasagna. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, I'll try and dig that photo out before this goes live. <laughs> She's my spirit animal. I, I, I do not judge at what time of day I eat certain foods. I will I will eat all sorts of things at all sorts of times. I am that person and I have no issue with being that person. But like when you say about the whole taking multiple photos, that is, you know, every time you see a photo of me on Twitter, remember I've taken between 30 and 50 photos and they then get narrowed down to about four or five. Those four or five, I then look at and go, okay, which is the best out of this? I look at them in on small and then in full screen and then kind of pop them into editing, filter them, etc. Try and I don't like to overly filter. I think um, I've never used Facetune or anything like that. I'd rather get the right angle than do that. And also, I think it's important that people see even the, the lasagna picture, um, <laughs> which I really will have to try and find now. It's, <laughs> I don't ever want people to think that, you know, I don't have cellulite, that I'm a size six, that, you know, my boobs are a bit saggy. It's I want people to be able to see that normal can also be beautiful. I don't feel a need, like a lot of people in my industry obviously do choose to use quite heavy editing. I just try to make myself not look so pale that I blend in with my own walls, which is a constant problem in my life. But yeah, like whenever you see a photo or whenever anyone sees a photo, just remember those photos have been through a whole process and there is let's say 45 other photos that have never made it to Twitter and if you're doing like a full photo shoot for OnlyFans or covering myself in milk Mrs H um, <laughs> which is on day. my list you know that that's that's three or four hours of photos and by the time you've done it you'll edit and post maybe 10 so I've got another question like which is probably linked I'm not jumping ahead too okay. much but right. obviously we've, we covered in the beginning that um, this lovely lady also does camming and I appreciate you've probably got questions about camming but my question is more around given that some people in this industry may rely on things like heavy editing processes to make you know their pictures pop and all the rest of it but if you're doing camming do you have the same level of access to things that will make you look better? different when you're coming no it's no. your answer to so that there's, there's um, answer, there it? are probably apps that you could get involved in but they would be very hard to actually work with in real time so when i'm coming i do use a ring light and i use a softbox um a just box. to kind of uh, just to kind of bounce that extra daylight in which is that's a, a big box with a big daylight bulb in yeah. for anyone who doesn't know um, it makes <laughs> and, your yeah. light much more soft so it's yeah, like it's a gentle cute. sunlight oh, like i like that light. 
And I have one following me around all the time. You d- I put one up on our front room. She hated the fucking oh. thing. But, <laughs> but she hates most lights because it's Mrs. H. One thing I will say, I think, with photographs, before we go and delve into this more, <laughs> is that the with phot- photography, I like to present the best version of myself that I can without altering myself. I think that's yeah, the kind of rule that I, li- I live by. So you absolutely could see this, see me looking like this if you passed me in the street. You 100% could do. But you might have to blink quite a lot and squint a bit and and look at me at the exact right time, at the exact right moment the sun bounces off me. But there's other times, the moments where I'm alive and I'm walking and I'm a normal human being, which I am 100% of the time, uh, you're not going to see all of that. So it's it's almost like that best version of you that you can have without fucking around with yourself mm-hmm. is the kind of yeah, way that yeah. I like to to feel about absolutely and i think it's also you know like you say you want to look good you want to you want to present that best side but also from a point of view where you're going to meet people in real life be that you know at socials or whatever or even you know general events i've never wanted to be the person who you don't recognize when they walk in because that's actually worse if people have made this image of you in their mind and that's why they follow you that's why they're part of your community and they meet you if you're nothing like that you're going to, you know, they're going to take a step back and be like, that is not what I signed up for. Exactly. <laughs> they'll be like, man, you've got a face. And that, that makes me very like, anxious. Really? Just the thought of walking in and they'll be like, nope, that's, I can't do that. Yeah. yeah. You don't want to be like the memory of, of what you could have been. I can't take a selfie for shit. I literally can't do it. Just we'll, like, we'll have a selfie day. We'll get it sorted. Ooh. Don't worry. It's an interesting one because I think, so I went through a phase of almost taking a million selfies a oh, no day. Oh, kidding. <laughs> Because I, did, I didn't like the way I looked. What? I, but I didn't. No, you no, gorgeous. no. You can. You can't determine how I feel about myself. Mm, no, can, I know. You can I know tell me how you feel about me. But it took a lot of pictures to kind of figure out kind of what I liked about myself and what I wanted to bring out. And once I got that, then actually taking pictures of myself became a lot easier. I know my my favourite pose of me is an open mouth, grinning like a maniac, eyes wide up, glasses. That, that's my look because that's how I feel comfortable about myself. But it took a lot of taking pictures and kind of figuring it out to get to that point. You've not done that. You kind of, in a way, you're you're kind of you you don't do it because you you have me to take those pictures for you. I don't like any pictures, whether you take them or I take them. <laughs> you, sometimes you do. Really? Sometimes you. And I you, took one today. There you go. I put but, one on Twitter today. But it does take practice and and it does take time, especially if you're not keen on yourself to get the the look that you you feel comfortable mm. with, and you kind of go, ah, that's that's my look. That's how I feel. All right. And then once you've got that, then you can start to play with all the lighting and you can start to play with all the different bits. But you kind of almost need to play in the park to kind of get that that moment. Well, Violet's look is naked with tattoos and pretty hair. Like, I'm just going to... That, is, that is my go-to in many so cases. Nice when, in doubt, when in doubt, bring dresses. the boots in. There's a lot, do you know what? The dresses are an interesting one because I never... When I first like got Twitter and stuff, I mainly kept it purely for work. And yeah. I mainly kept it to, you know, the, uh, the the good loots. And then I can't even remember why I po- I think someone, I posted a video or something and someone was like, what are you wearing? And so I started posting the dresses 
and realised they were this really big thing for people that I was not expecting. Like, I get 99% of people are really, really lovely about it, just think it's really, really cool. But you always get that one person every time I put it up, it's like, why are you dressing like a granny? Oh like, well, that's my choice. <laughs> <laughs> I've made this decision. I'm very comfortable. Which um, ah, <laughs> I just risk- like absolutely hilarious. They are fabulous dresses. It um, is the risk of putting something on the internet, though, isn't it? That, yeah. that for every, you know, one oh, absolutely. person it's amazing, you'll get a- Someone's going to have an opinion, and that's just one of those things you uh, you have to kind of, deal with if you choose to put yourself in that sort of front lane then you know you've got to understand there's always going to be someone who's got an opinion on how you parked yeah if i get one more ricky tomlinson alike then i'm gonna fucking flip a table (laughs) i've always i've always kept quiet about that do you get the old ricky gervais one that's fine i can live with gervais that's fine i'm I'm all right with that i laugh at my own jokes i'm 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 (laughs) down with it i think you're hotter personally i choose you over ricky any day so hey what are you doing in about Um, 10 and a half minutes Ten and a half minutes. Yeah, we'll finish this in about ten and a half minutes. We'll be fine. We'll get <laughs> yeah. all the questions out of the way. Give it, give it eight, and we'll be all right. Oh, good, perfect. Um, but yeah, like you say about the photos as well. The other thing you said, where you took loads of photos. I think sometimes if you don't like how you look, that can actually be a really, really good thing to do. Is because if you take enough, you will desensitize to the bits you don't like. You yes. will take so many photos that you genuinely become. Do I used to be a lot more conscious and take a lot longer to take photos that were a lot less quality than I managed to take now just because I was it was something I wasn't used to taking my own photos and stuff and I wasn't sure how to do it and I felt really uncomfortable and those bits of my body now I do not care about in the slightest I've just got used to it because I've taken so many you know unfortunately not unfortunately you know part of my job means I take thousands of photos of my own body um every every year and that does definitely desensitize you to the bits you don't like because you've just been looking at them for so long you're like oh for god's sake never mind with that in mind, okay, so you take take lots of pictures of yourself. What I want to know is, who do you follow? Who are you, which, what porn do you watch? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna shock you somewhat here um, and say that I don't actually watch a lot of porn. Um, I I think because I've been in this industry so long, when I watch studio porn, um, I feel like I can see every health and safety issue every, <laughs> I know everything that goes on behind the scene I'm like there's definitely a wire in the corner of that I find it really hard to get off on that kind of stuff because it's just I know how um, processed it is and then when it comes to amateur and stuff I am more likely there are a to be fair there are a couple of amateurs that I do follow uh, the lovely Billy Porter incredibly hot incredibly lovely and then there's uh, a couple of other people I follow like on any fans and stuff who I can kind of get more behind their amateur side of things. But for me personally, I think because I also know the amount of work they're putting in and I know like how hard it is to do that because I have to do it myself, it kind of takes the edge off that sort of thing for me um, because I just see the work they've put into it. (laughs) (laughs) What do you, what do you love about your job? People. I love, I love people. I love talking to people. I love getting to know new people. I really enjoy being able to do that on a daily basis because you get like you have your mixture of regulars and then every day you're also meeting new people. And I also really love that because I am generally considered to be quite approachable when I'm online, people will ask me questions that they wouldn't ask normal people or even normal cam girls. So for instance, yesterday someone came into one of my cameras asking me about swinging and how he should get into it and that, you know, he thought his girlfriend might want to try it. And we had a really completely like non-sexy conversation about how he could go about it. How he could, I told him to listen to this amazing podcast by some people <laughs> called The Bed Hoppers. Um, I don't know if you know them. They run <laughs> nice. this really good podcast talking about um, the, the highs and lows of swinging and all the things you can you can do and what can go wrong. And I said, you know, they're great people. Um, but Send yeah, it's, it's stuff like that. It's, 
<laughs> I'll start wearing a bedhopper t-shirt on uh, on free chat. It'll be great. Um, but it's, it's that sort of thing of honestly feeling like sometimes you've actually helped people. And a lot of the time as well, it'll be things like mental health. There are people who will come to me because they want to just talk about the fact they've had a bad day with someone who's not going to say shrug it off or someone who's not going to go and tell people they know and it's knowing that people can have that confidence to do that with me and that trust is really really lovely and something that makes me absolutely love my job I like that answer that's made me happy (laughs) that's made you really happy no I I like to hear about you know the joy that people find in what they do every day so I think you know we've certainly found it similar and and the reason why we do this is to help people and 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 really so that we can remember what the fuck happened as well (laughs) yeah but it's more than a chronicle of what we do it's it's a Hey, I hope someone benefits from hearing this. These, you know, these anecdotes and you know, anecdotal advice is is probably as good as you're going to get, isn't it? Because yeah, you kind of want people to go away knowing that someone out there has done something that you can relate to in some way. So, it, in many ways, it's a don't do what we did. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> a, that's a really interesting point. But it is about it being relatable, and it's about even you know when people come and talk to me, they get to have that time where I can go well no everyone's done that or I hear that all the time the amount of people who come in to cameras because when you what you get is a lot of people when they're first exploring fetish the first place they will explore is cam because it's anonymous because it allows them that outlet without sort of fear of anything coming back on them so when they're first exploring something deciding if it's something they want to do in real life a lot of the time the first place they'll come to explore that as I said is cam but when you've got people the amount of people come in going, oh, I've got this really, really weird fetish. I don't know if you've ever heard it before. And it'll be something like, I really like being spanked. <laughs> oh, oh, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> but being able to give people that reassurance that being experimental is okay. You know, being into a fetish is okay. And that they're not some freak for having a fetish is actually really important to me. Because if I was in that position, I know I'd want someone to say it's okay to experiment it's okay to like what you like and not make you feel you know chastised for being into something mm. seeking to normalize things is, is kind absolutely. of absolutely one of the biggest biggest things for us isn't it, sometimes? It, it really is i think so we, we've got time for a couple more questions and and what i'm really interested to know is what, what the heck is a typical day like for you there's no such thing as a typical day um it's one of those things of so i wake up stupidly early as anyone who follows me on twitter will know because i tweet a lot of shit at six in the morning um (laughs) and some great things too sometimes there's some morning boobs and we're all there for that right lasagna and lasagna yeah you know if if i'm gonna have a breakfast lasagna the internet needs to know about that i feel um (laughs) i should have done what violet ate instead of what violet did um i'm sure that's a fetish for people but yeah, so I get up really quite early and my workday is starting at sort of six o'clock in the morning a lot of the time because you're checking Twitter, you're checking only fans messages. And that can that sort of does set up your day, to be fair, because you've got on some days you'll have sort of 10 people who want custom videos and loads of stuff that needs to be done first thing or something on Twitter that you've been tagged to that you need to reply to and get involved in. Sometimes it, when nothing have happened overnight, so you kind of have to start your day with you're always working a bit behind because you're starting your day with whatever people have come through to overnight. And then you go on to live cam um, and you never know what's going to happen. You never know. I had a quite intense conversation about chocolate gatto the other day with four people. Um, <laughs> I have been taught how to make various kinds of pastry before now. And, you know, it's the thing about cam is it's people seeking connection a lot of the time. It's not just 
self-directed porn. So they will talk to you about anything. I have a regular who uh, came with me just to show me his new windows. Uh, he's got mock leading. <laughs> it's very nice. We discussed them in detail before this. <laughs> but, you know, it's that sort of thing. You never know who you're going to meet. You never know what you're going to do. Two, no two days are the same. And then when I do cam shift, so I normally do 11 a.m. till 3 p.m. in the day and then get on with my life. And then I go back online um, normally 8 to eight or 9 o'clock till 1 a.m. the next day. So it's grueling. That's the, the best way to describe the cam schedule. But it's also really, really fun. You know, it doesn't, a lot of the time, it doesn't feel like work. It feels like chatting away to awesome people. And yeah, not knowing what comes next is actually great for me because I don't get bored because you've got to be on your toes and you, you just don't know how your day is going to go. You might be covered in custard. You <laughs> <laughs> might just be being adored. And, you know, that's all part of, part of the fun of it. And what's been your most favourite cam experience? I have an American regular who is very into central domination, but from his side. Now, as I said at the beginning of this, being having the whole like sub-dom relationship on cam is quite a hard thing. And sort of getting that rapport going can be quite hard. Um, so when he first started cam with me and said, you know, the thing I like to do is essentially dominate women on cam. He's like, what I need you to do basically is close your eyes and do as I say. And I thought, all right, it's a bit weird, but like, and I'm not sure how this is going to work, but we had, we'd already spoken before on messages and we had a good rapport. So I already thought, you know, I'll give it a go. And he's got an amazing accent for a start, which is always been a thing for me. But just the, he's one of those people who has this massive ability to make you feel comfortable just by his voice. And so my favorite thing with him was, you know, this first camera experience where I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be into this and just instantly feeling so at ease and so relaxed. And before I know it, you know, we've been doing this for an hour. And then at the end of it, him being like really thankful, really respectful, tipping me and getting on with his day. And we'd be like, oh, we'll just go back to normal with that then, shall we? But that's definitely been my, my favorite experience was, I think that was the first time I realized the true level of intimacy that you can create on cam. Oh, wow. That's amazing. It is. Yeah. So OnlyFans then. Hmm. I mean, obviously this year was, or last year was a bit of a debacle for OnlyFans. <laughs> yeah, it went I, through some... It was uh, it was an experience for us all. Has um, <laughs> that now made it meant that people have to reach out to different platforms to back up? Actually, no. Um, it was... Uh, so, so the other reason some people know me or possibly listening to this is because I spoke to Huffington Post about this when it happened. And what I said at the time was if they'd gone through with their changes, that's exactly what would have happened. It would have resulted in this massive split because different clients would have gone to different sites, etc. And you would have basically been having to do four jobs to make the same as you were making in one. When they went back on those changes... Although the sex worker community didn't want to go back um, because how we were treated was shocking and really not acceptable, especially when, you know, we are their biggest earners. The fact of it was the client base wanted to stay. They wanted to stay with what they knew. They wanted the safety. They wanted knowing how everything worked. They didn't want to change. So what most sex workers were basically forced to do was actually go back to OnlyFans because at the end of the day, no amount of being upset is going to change the fact that that's where your money's coming from and that's what's paying your bills. Um, so actually, most people ended up just going back to OnlyFans as their main thing and having to, you know, in a way, live in a fear that it could happen at any time still. Um, but unfortunately, that's one of the things about sex work. It's not how it should be. But the one thing you have is there is always a chance that rug is going to be pulled under your feet. And that is just the downside of the job. You've got to always be ready for that. It's a really tricky one, I think, because... You know, we're all very platform dependent. And even from a swinging lifestyle kind of perspective in the UK, we all head to Fab because Fab is the biggest and 
that's where everyone is. And you've got to kind of go where the numbers are. And yeah, and it's like it's a safety in numbers thing as well, because like the same as you say for fact, but people go there because they feel as everyone else is there, it's a safer option for them 100%. to get involved with. And it's exactly the same with things like OnlyFans. It was it's a brand name everyone knows. Yeah. And you know, it's the same as if you were going to go and open a new bank account, would you go to a random thing you'd found online or would you go to a high street bank name you 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 were actually comfortable with and knew? So it's exactly the same kind of thing. People want to they feel like they need that security in order to move forward. Hundred percent, and it, it it's definitely a. It, it, I've certainly been following it on online. It's been interesting just watching people sort of. You know, there was a sort of almost a unionized move away from it, mm. and then it, you know, it came back, or they didn't make the changes that they said they were going to make, and and people were like, well, you know what, it's probably more convenient to be here. People are here. It's easy. Let's let's stay where we are. And until a platform comes up that has the numbers and that does it in a different way, it, people are going to keep doing that. And the same with Fab, and the same with all the other different sites that are out there. People going to go back to what they know because it's easy and convenient. It's like Amazon, you know. Why go anywhere else? Because you can get, you know, whilst you're giving Bezos a bit more cash, <laughs> you know that thing's going to turn up the next day and it's yeah. going to be there and it's going to be <laughs> relatively reasonably I think, priced. I think what you're saying here is that the uh, the Bedhoppers OnlyFans collaboration is coming soon and a fast-swing uh, <laughs> content site is in the making. Well, we we had a delightful conversation about OnlyFans. I think it must have been last year at some point. With some, I can't remember who it was. And, and, and Mrs. H was like, yeah, I could do an OnlyFans. And I'm like, I turned to her, I was like, what? Like, really? And then someone explained to her what it was. And then she went, no, 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 I wouldn't do that. <laughs> You've certainly got to be a very certain type of person, I think, to uh, survive uh, in this industry. But especially one of the differences with people when they do any fans compared to camming and stuff is um, so many people have free profiles or always have deals on and everything. So... OnlyFans, you have to do a lot of work for a lot less money, frankly. You know, you'll be speaking to someone on camera for 10 minutes. That'll cost about £20. You'll be speaking to someone on OnlyFans for three days and you'll have made about 15 Yeah. Um, so it's, and, and people, it's it's changed the industry because you get people now who are moving from OnlyFans looking for cam girls and expecting the same sort of very cheap service. And you have to be like, no, sorry, that's not how it works around here. <laughs> Yeah, I get the sense that OnlyFans is, is is a benefit if you've got a whole ton, like a library of stuff that you can hoik and, yeah, and that you Absolutely. And the thing about it as well is you know, it was set up as a place with, for people who already had fan bases to yeah. monetize their fan bases. So it's not something I ever suggest people go into from scratch because if you don't have a fan base, you know, they don't, the reason they don't offer much promotion themselves is because that wasn't what they were there for. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it's similar in that way to, to Patreon and in, in that kind of kind of approach and I, you know i can't see us <laughs> getting on that i can't see mrs h doing that at all plus you'd hate it if i was on OnlyFans. yeah well because i'd be editing constantly i'd be like like you don't you know, should be getting more attention than you and you'd get upset yeah that's, that's this 100 percent why and then yes. i'd have to work to make that content that she'd get all the attention for fuck that <laughs> like, yeah, this bad enough doing the podcast and like you know like do all the <laughs> running around and editing and, and everyone's like oh mrs h we love your voice you're so wonderful I'm a real Oh, yeah, I'm totally here for Mrs. H. Sorry. Yeah, fine. Yeah. Brilliant. Thank you, everyone. <laughs> so, rounding this up, thank you ever so much for joining us today. It's it been, has been a pleasure. It's been our pleasure, and it's been wonderful just, just seeing your delightful face again. Uh, what I'd like to do, though, is, is offer you the opportunity to give our gentle listeners, if they've not heard of you before... Um, then if you fuck could... you. <laughs> Jeez. 
Okay. Frankly, uh, well, you should know about. I love how protective you are over me. Honestly, Literally. it makes me, it makes my heart happy. Yes, the violent croissant is hours and hours alone. However, if you want to find a digitally out in the world, where can people find you? So people can find me on Twitter at twitter.com slash did. They can find me on OnlyFans at onlyfans.com slash did. Um, and they can find me on adult work at adultwork.com slash violet. Um, also, if you do follow me on Twitter, all those links are in my bio. Just click the little link tree thing. Look at that. That was amazing. I'm very impressed with that. Do you number. have links on your Twitter about where to buy your dresses? <laughs> I don't, but I might you set should. up a separate Twitter just for people. Separate, uh, just for people who need that in their lives. Just so people can like look at your sartorial. I'm off to glamour. I'm off to double check if uh, what Violet War is actually an acceptable Twitter Absolutely. name at the moment, or if someone's taken it. Quite like, following because you have quick. you have some dresses are a fetish. Fabulous, it turns out. Um, yeah, dresses are just beautiful. I need to set up. I need to set up an Instagram for them. That's the way forward. Yes, thank you very much for joining us. It has absolutely been our pleasure, Mrs. H. Do you want to do your thing? Well, thank you for hopping into our bed. So we're now recording, just so you're aware. Going to have a moment's silence so that I can take oh, the shut audio. up, Ben. Are you introing? Leon McDuff. <laughs> Fuck you, McDuff. All right, fine. Okay. Consumer professionals. I like the way she's like, you know, you can start this whole thing. All right, okay.